Welcome to On the Bubble Podcast, episode 60. I'm your host, Sabasa J. Weda, and with me is my co-host, Yuki Lee Bender. And today we're going to be doing a How to Draft Brute in Heavy Hitters episode. Talk about basically our first week of RTNs and what we're planning to do in our following weeks as well. So let's go straight into that. How was how was your first RTN, Yuki? Uh, my first RTN did not go fantastic. I drafted an okay Victor deck. I think I made some mistakes like passing a Vigor Girth instead of taking it early, which we like just talked about on the podcast last last week, and I just kind of got greedy and then passed two Vigor Girths and then didn't get one, and that, that kind of sucked. Um, my equipment in general was like pretty poor, and I had a whole bunch of two-block blues. Um, I think other than that, my deck was okay. Like The threats were good, the tester strengths were good, and I, I think that my deck like had some chances, but I played a somewhat close, fairly close game into J round one and lost the Guardian Mirror into Fatigue. And then um, I just kind of got run over by a Brute deck. I guess it must have been a KO deck. Just had some variants. I drew, I think, like two all red hands and then drew like all two blocks when they had like a giant pop-off turn and it just kind of killed me. Uh, like some of that's deck construction, some of it's variants. Um, so it was like not a very good RTN for me. I went 0-2 drop and just kind of went home. And yeah, that that was my first RTN. I've been pretty busy between like moving and painting and just lots of like house related stuff to do right now. Then that should be coming down in the next week or so. But that's that's sort of been most of my life. And the RTN was like mostly a break from that, and it it did not go well. You played the RTN. You beat me round one. And uh, how did the rest of the RTN go for you? So going to just the results, I ended up winning the event. So my final record with the with the Guardian deck that I drafted first against you was uh, I went 3-0 with that. Uh, I actually beat the Brute that you lost to in the second round uh, in mm-hmm. the finals. And, oh, not in the finals. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, I did uh, in the, the last round because I got paired up into, uh, he he got paired up into me. Um, no, he was because he had a buy. We had a nine-person nine pod. So he had a buy, then he beat me and he was actually 2-0. Oh, okay, okay, that makes sense. Oh, yeah, that was the other thing. I lost, and then I played a very good brute deck. Like, like I, I, like, yeah, he only had to win one game to get two zero, but like, I think it was a two zero worthy brute deck. Like, I, I think it was pretty solid. Yeah, I think that deck was really strong too. But unlike Yuki, I think my guardian deck was like, you know, a solid nine out of ten, or maybe an eight out of ten. I'm basically the only card I'm really like wanting in this deck now is like the rare head fe- headpiece for Betsy, but like. I basically got everything I wanted. I had four blocks, have a lot of three blocks. I think I had like 23 three blocks, 12 blues, a bunch of good red attacks, some four blocks, block cards, instants that like prevented damage against warrior. Basically, like, you know, everything that Guardian wanted. And mm-hmm. it was actually kind of great because like I got to implement everything that we talked about last week in our guardian episode and i basically just got to do everything that we got to talk about i had exactly two red um so i got one big red big bot one red bigger than big have the vigor girth i have the gauntlet on my i have the stand ground i have a bloodied oval and just like i have good reds just like a solid guardian deck yeah i ended up either fatiguing everyone or it's you know fatigued by damage like how we talked about last week yeah it seemed like a really really strong betsy deck and i don't think my victor deck was like actually that much worse like a little bit less consistent but like similar power it just yeah you know sometimes you lose to very good decks and that's just how it goes like i don't think it was like a o2 train wreck deck it was just i lost to the best deck in the pod and i lost to probably the second best deck in the pod which is unfortunate (laughs) yeah and i think uh i was talking to kevin uh, after as well and he's like oh yuki got really unlucky against me and then i got kind of lucky against her with the with the random discards and he seemed pretty he seemed pretty happy to be able to get the top four in the uh, rtn as well yeah i think he got to do like a two call i think he got to do like uh it was something like a like a wild ride claw bear fangs turn and i drew all two blocks and i'm just like all right i die <laughs> like i don't know <laughs> game's over yeah i was just like i can't like i'm at six uh or i don't know i was at like eight or something and i was just dead and like it was i can't remember the exact game state but but yeah it was way too much damage and just completely killed me it happens 
<laughs> Are you planning on playing any RTNs this week? We'll see. Um, so kind of as I mentioned, I've just been really preoccupied with house stuff and moving and painting. So if all of that is kind of under control and I feel like I have the energy to go play the RCC RTN this weekend, I probably will. And if I'm just like too exhausted, then I may just take a rest day and, and not do that. Um, so gonna see. It's gonna mostly depend on my energy level. I would I would like to play, but um, I was pretty exhausted this last weekend and I, I think that that like probably contributed to some small mistakes and I kind of don't want to put myself in the same spot again that's fair that's fair I'm like not too what's it called excited because the next RTN that we have in our local area is going to be constructed so I'm like do I really want to go play constructed maybe I think I'll decide on the day of uh, I have a friend that usually isn't in town he is in town and we're going to build a deck for him for the RTM for sure. Uh, and then I don't know if I might play like some fatigue dash style decks and, you know, make somebody's day miserable tomorrow on, on Saturday. We'll see. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Mateo's in town and um, also Frank uh, Lazy Dog is also in town. So. I kind of want to go to that RTN. It's going to be fun. There's there's cool people there, people that we don't always get to see. But um, we'll see. Shout, shout out to Frank. Frank's really, really awesome. I know a lot of people. He's like pretty well known. But if, if you don't know Frank, he's a he's a very awesome part of the community. Okay, then let's uh, move on to our main topic. Before we do that, I just want to shout out the Patreon really quickly. It's been incredible, the amount of support that we've gotten. Um, so really thank you so much to everybody who has supported us it's um far beyond what i could have ever expected um in terms of like how long we've been doing this and and the amount of support that there's been so that's really really incredible i'm kind of trying to um ramp up the content a little bit to to kind of you know pay back some of that support and and make sure that the the patrons feel especially the uh, titanium bobble tearing up make sure that they feel like they they're getting you know good value out of that and i'm looking to do kind of like weekly content with that and hopefully keep up with that schedule it's just been a little hectic but I, i've been more or less on that and you can kind of expect sort of like weekly content updates there um if you're interested in patreon you can check us out on patreon.com slash on the bobble and um you know uh, if you can give back to the show we appreciate it and if not we also just appreciate you listening and tuning into the show to begin with so yeah, can't say thank you enough. Honestly, it's done way above my expectations on on what I thought would happen when we started the Patreon. So yeah, thank you, everyone. Okay, then let's uh, move right into the brute brute stuff for heavy hitters. Let's just uh, start with the very basic information. Just the exact brute cards, so not including hybrids or generics. Uh, we have 19 commons exactly like Guardian. So we have 12 3 blocks. That's the same amount of number as the Guardian. There are 1 2 block. There are 6 no blocks. So I guess if you count the no blocks like a 2 block, like they Guardians and Brute have the same amount of like 2 blocks and 3 blocks in common. And the difference will be at rare. All their rares are three blocks and there's nine rares in the set. So it's actually really funny how Brute has a higher number of three blocks than Guardians does in the set. Except that gets offset by the Bear Fangs and the Wild Rides that are no blocks in the set. So they kind of block pretty similarly on like if you have, if you want to play like a lot of three blocks it's actually easier to do that in brute more than in guardian it's sort of interesting because if you just like take the average block value of the cards it, it would it would appear low because of those no blocks bringing the average down so much weirdly like if you really want to draft the three blocks and brute is relatively open you can wind up with like a really three block heavy brute deck and you can play we'll, we'll talk about it more as we can the episode but you absolutely can play sort of like a more uh, long game, stable, attrition-based brute deck. You don't get like the auras and disruption that Guardian has, but you get, maybe moving into our key cards a little bit, you get agility tokens. And uh, we talked about this during the set primer, and I think we've talked about it here and there about the calling and everything, but agility is just far and away the best token on average. There are situations like you, you need to be able to convert that agility token, and, and I think that there's some skill expression there. Agility tokens are just really, really strong. 
might tokens are probably the second best token. So just from like a token perspective, Brood is doing some really powerful things. They have a lot of three blocks. They have the best tokens in the in the format, and um, they can play attrition style. They can play an aggressive style. They can they can do they can do a lot. I think I think Brute is maybe the strongest class overall. Yeah, I think on average, Brute is the most powerful class. Mm-hmm. It's after looking at week one data, Warrior does seem to be the most winning class like in for like 3-0 data kind of thing from the last draft like the top eight draft in all of the rtns looks like kasai has been doing pretty well with uh, 16 kasai's winning rtns Mm -hmm. Uh, i think ko also wins 16 but reinar has zero and olympia has six let me double check this information yeah i i think i think warrior also very very good oh sorry it was uh eight olympias Eight Olympias, yeah. yeah. So, so Warrior is also really good. I know a lot of people are like very high on Warrior, and and I do think it is a good class. But I do think like the the good brute decks when they come together just feel like some of the most powerful stuff you can do in the format. Yeah, I think on average, I've been hearing that brute is being overdrafted, mm-hmm. and I think which is why you when you get to these pods with like you're like the one of two warriors, that's when you have like an edge against the brutes and edge against the the guardians as well. So in I think in this format, I think talking in general, you just want to be the two of in this uh like the two of of one of the classes in this in this draft format, right, Yugi? Yeah, I think if you can ever be the two of regardless of which class it is, that feels like a really, really great place to be. And um I agree that brute is tending to be pretty contested because i i think i think the class is both uh powerful and and it's easy to recognize that as well as um just like pretty intuitive you have like a lot of like kind of redundant card like you kind of just like play good attacks in your deck and you play some agility cards and like you have a you have a good brute deck like it's it's not it's very straightforward and it's like very, very approachable. And I think we even saw that play out like in the sealed format that KO was just like by far the most popular deck. And it's because you can kind of just, you can kind of like almost make anything work. So long as you like have some cards that block, you have some big attacks, you have resources, like you probably have a functional brute deck. It also helps that like KO makes a lot of these like five power attacks into sixes. So it really makes all the cards work together even easier, right? And yeah. I think that's also the reason why Reiner was not popular is because so many of the cards in the set have the number five on it, like the power five on it. And all of those cards just like are just worse in Reiner than it is in KO. So you like you just like ended up you end up defaulting to KO, so then the cards that care about six power work better with the five actual five power cards in the set. And there's a lot of five power cards in the set. Totally agree. And and in particular at blue, there there are no blue sixes in the set for for brute anyways. The Guardian has one. That just kind of means that like if you're wanting to play Reiner with blues you have the tension of not like none of those blues being sixes then that means like maybe you need some yellow sixes which like has its own trade-offs of course because pitching blue is really good especially when a lot of stuff costs three costs so there's like a lot of tension in reiner and we'll we'll talk about what differentiates the two but i do think like the baseline is most of the time you should probably be ko and if you're not sure you should probably be ko but there are some, I think there are reasons to be Reinar. I don't feel like I have it fully figured out, but um, we'll kind of talk about our early impressions and it's maybe something we can revisit in the future. But I, I think I think Reinar is like probably the hardest deck to come, to come together in the format. I agree. Let's uh, talk about the key cards. So what cards do you think are really important in, in Brute? So both Reinar and Kale? I mean, this is kind of like true for everything in the format, but you want the big three cost attacks, especially the ones that come in for seven. Brute has a bunch of these. And you also want block threes and block fours. And one of the things that Brute has going for it is it has multiple of these like three for sevens that block three as class cards. There's like no other, like both at common and at rare, uh, they have like multiple of these. And None of the other classes really have this. Like Guardian has like one rare that's a three for seven. 
that's it. And like, of course, there's like all the hybrid ones, but those are block twos. So I think that like right away, that's like a huge strength of the class is just like you can play all these three for sevens and they also block three. So all of the things we've been saying about the format is still true for Brood. And I think those are like a lot of what you're looking for. And then the other cards you want are generally the agility makers. We talked about how important agility is. And that's like another strength of the class, right, is that where Guardian can sometimes struggle to use their big hands, Brute has a lot more options so long as you have agility tokens. Do you kind of want to talk about uh, which which of the agility makers do you like the most or do you value the highest? I think they're pretty much like all playable, um, at, at least at red. Like like red agility makers are like pretty playable. Often like blue agility makers are like also pretty playable. But but what are some of the ones that have stood out to you the most? The number one card that I'm looking for would be lead with agility. This is the one cost action card that has go again and the next brute attack gets plus three and you make an agility token. This card's kind of messed up. Like you get to just pitch a blue into lead with agility into the claw and it's just like a one card, you know, sorry, a two card six, which is reasonable. And you also just end up with an agility token. So you get to do lines like block for six, pitch a blue, lead with agility, claw. And it's just like, that's a very reasonable turn, and it just like naturally sets you up for the next turn. So I think lead with agility is like the number one card I'm looking for. It just fits really well with like every hand size and very easy to play, mainly the red one. And then the other card that I'm really looking for is Agile Windup. Yeah. I think Agile Windup is really good in all the colors, mostly in KO, because when you discard it, you get to make both tokens through KO's ability. It turns on Manable Claws for Go Again, so it feels like when you discard it, you pitch a blue attack with Manable Claw and then discard Agile Windup, it feels like you just attacked with the Agile Windup and it made an agility, a uh, might token, and was just an attack for three Go Again, which is... It, it to me it feels like surging strike. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Um, I, I can definitely see that. I, I think. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Agile wind up and lead with agility are like probably some of the more premium ones. I think I'm personally a little higher on the wind ups than the lead with agility. Part of it is that like all the pitches of agile wind up are very good. I feel like lead with agility, like it's mostly the red that's very good. There's also just like other there's other things about lead with agility that's really nice. Like it's still like one of the seven powers. So you can just play it as like a three for seven. It's also very nice if you are going second and you ever open with an agile wind up, like you have an agile wind up in hand. Um, you can just discard, you can potentially discard it on your opponent's turn and get an agility token for your, you know, when you're going second, which is just like, it just feels like such, such a huge advantage anytime you're able to do that. So I, I really like the agile windups, but ultimately like both these cards are very good. You're going to pick both early and often, and they're going to generally be pretty contested because they're hybrid cards and their warriors also want these cards. They're, they're just some of the best cards in the set, I think. Yeah, I think, spoiler alert, Agile Windup and Lead with Agility is one of the best cards in Warrior as well. So it's kind of a card where half the table wants these cards and, like, they're the best cards. Like, you want these cards over, like, every card in the set almost, other than, like, maybe the specialization headpieces. Yeah, they're they're really, really incredible. And um, maybe in line with those kind of, like, hybrid agility makers is flat trackers. I think everybody knows this card's really good. Equipment can be Blade Break 1, but usually it's just an agility on demand, which is incredible. And, yeah, again, like, you, you if you can have a flat trackers in your deck, you should probably do that and i think that in general like you need to pick this card very very highly or you're just not going to get to play it so um flat tracker is also like a premium agility maker and then there's kind of like some of the brute cards and i think that those are good too uh assault and battery is also really good especially especially the reds and the blues um just like having a blue that can come in like assault and battery red and blue is in my ko deck that I took to the battle hardened and I don't think I'm cutting it and I see a lot of people adopting that card so it's this is just like a CC level card um the red one is a three for seven that if you have an extra card you can convert any six which 
is most of the cards in your deck into an agility token as well as a might token because of the ko trigger which is just really good you can basically make any card in your any six in your hand into a agile wind up um you can only use it on your turn so there's you know there's some restrictions there but kind of what it does but you can also just play it as a two card seven if that's what you need to do and that modality is really strong and then the blue assault and battery is blue three block you can play it, come in for five, not bad. You can also, again, convert bigger hands, get the agility and the might. And just the the flexibility of this card is is incredible. It does it kind of does everything. Like it it attacks, it converts big hands, it's a good two-card hand, it's a good three-card hand. It just it's just always pretty good. Yeah, it's like a glue piece in the deck, right? Like it's mm-hmm. it enables every hand size and a lot of a lot of like the best players in this format, I think they will try and strand you with four card hands. So yep. because it's so hard to convert four cards hand in this format, but when you have an assault and battery, it's like, oh, it's not that hard to convert a four card hand with assault and battery. And then because you get to convert your four card hand, your if your opponent ends up blocking with like three cards, you end up with an agility token again and then convert your four card hand again. So it's the cards this card's very powerful. And I think even the yellow is good, but the the red and the blue are especially premium. Another card I really do like is a card called Take It on the Chin. Uh, this is the instant for the uh, warrior uh, brute and you prevent two and make an agility token. The reason I like this card is like you arsenal this card and whenever you want, you get to look at your hand and be like, I want this agility here. Then you get to play that card, prevent two, make an agility, and then convert your hand perfect. This card's like insane, right? Yeah, I think all, like we kind of talked about it, all of the prevent twos are very good. Um, They're one of the only ways to deal with attack reactions from warriors. Agility token is probably the best token, and having agility on demand is just like so good. And And I agree that some of the time you will just draw it and play it. But a lot of the time, I find myself wanting to arsenal this card and then set it up like, oh, this is the hand that can really use the agility and capitalize, and then and then we're you know like really rolling. So yeah, take it on the chin is incredible, really, really, really good. Maybe not quite as good as like some of the other cards, but man, is it close. And and you're like again, basically all the agility makers are good. Is is sort of you know the spoiler here. I think to round out the agility makers, there is Smashback Alehorn, which is kind of like the blue alcohol series of cards. So this is a blue zero cost two two block, and it makes the agility and the might token. Yeah, good card. I think especially if you have raw meat, uh, this card goes up in value. It's a solid blue. Often I want blue three blocks, but you also kind of want to have enough agility token, like enough agility sources in your deck. And if you're light on this, this can be a nice way to get some utility out of your blues and have more agility in the deck. And I think I think Smashback Alehorn is just like the best two block in the format. Like maybe a blue. Like I, I can't think of anything better. Like I haven't I haven't like fact checked this or like sat down and gone through the whole set, but it's just like it's really premium. I, I don't think there's like another two block that I would rather play over this. So it's it's very good. I think so. I think so. I think all of the yeah the alcohol series they're like they're all pretty good in different situations, and I think you'd I'd like actively want to have one in my deck for sure. I think I wouldn't want to have four in my deck. Like I think that's too many. The first copy is almost always good. Like raw meats, like activating raw meats isn't that impressive just for KO. But like if you're a Reiner, you definitely want like one or two of it. So if you have raw meats, it's like you get to turn the raw meats on for free when you play it. I think raw meats is another sort of key card that you really want, at least if you're KO, but like because Brute is so often KO, you can kind of just say if you're Brute. All of these cards are pretty good. We've talked about them a lot, but raw meat is just by far the easiest one to get three block out of because KO gives you might tokens for free a lot of the time. And um, it's just really not that hard to get an agility and a might. We talked about um, Assault and Battery doing that. We talked about Agile wind up doing that. So there's like a lot of like single cards that give you both tokens. Often even just lead with speed is good enough because if you do like lead with speed and do anything that discards, like you do lead with speed bear fangs or something, you probably wind up with both tokens there too. So there's just like a lot of ways to get it. And I think raw meat is just like 
really, really, really impressive. Out of all of these like class equipments that get the plus two if you have both the tokens, raw meats is the only one where I think I would have I would say you don't actually have to block it the moment you have two tokens. It would be pretty efficient to just always block it if you don't want to think about it, but. Just being conscious and aware of how many cards in your deck make both tokens when you just play it onto their own um, would would be like an indication of like how often you want to block with raw meats. Like you don't have to force yourself to block with raw meats just to gain the life. It's like you get to actually use it to prevent on hits. Like you get to like when you want to use raw meats is when you get to use raw meats. And it's not that's not the same for the warrior version or the guardian version. Because it's yeah. just so much harder to make both tokens for those guys. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with all, all of that. So big attacks, three and four blocks, agility makers, equipment. Kind of no surprises here in terms of what the key cards are, I think. In terms of agility, is there like a number? Like, of course, agility is really good and usually more is better. Is there a number of agility you're like hoping that your brute deck has as like a minimum? Is there is there too much agility? I don't think there's too much agility. There might be too much agility, but like currently, at least like in the first couple of weeks of the set, it's not it's not uncommon to be like, man, all the agility cards got cut by like my third pick. You know, you're going to end up with like six agility makers or seven agility makers, and you're not going to be able to get more than that. And when you mm-hmm. do get more than that is like when you look at the deck and you go like, wow, how does this deck ever lose? I think I agree that usually about like six is sort of where it feels good. I think if you ever have less than six, it starts to feel a little bit awkward, Um, but it's not that hard to get six if you're prioritizing them and the class is like somewhat open, which hopefully it is if you're drafting it. And And I agree. I don't think there's really like too much agility. The only thing I would say is just like, don't go overboard with like some of the, like you don't want to be playing like, a bunch of blue and yellow lead with speeds if you already have like other very good sources of agilities like the windups like the i don't know maybe you have like a smashback ale horn maybe you have some assault and batteries like you don't need to like go out of your way to just like maximize the the like the total number of agilities you can possibly get don't 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 play like the kind of too many of the kind of like weaker cards which which is mostly like the yellow and blue lead with speed the yellow is kind of okay they're all okay but yeah you don't want too many of them yeah yeah you still want to prioritize the cards that we set on the key cards which is like the three cost attacks and like the four blocks stuff like that when you're rounding out your deck you can add in like a yellow lead with speed a blue lead with speed but i don't want a bunch of them like like if my deck has like two yellow like three three yellows and two blues like the the blues are like kind of okay because they're still blues but like I, i don't i don't really want that in my deck yeah, well, you just three blocks are good in this set, and yeah, those cards are not three blocks. So yeah, yeah, and they're also like kind of below rate. Like like sometimes it feels bad. Like the the yellow especially. Like just like if you like claw for five, it's like they can block with one card and take two, or they can kind of ignore it. And then if they ignore it and they hit you really hard, you're like in this awkward spot of like, oh no, I need my hand to convert this agility token and i did a below rate thing last turn so i'm kind of priced into converting my hand but then like if i just eat a bunch of damage that's like also bad for me so like yeah you can wind up in these awkward spots where you're like you have the agility token but you don't actually pressure enough to make it feel good i think in general i keep on coming back to this and this set like the higher the number it blocks for the better the card is I think almost all the yellow cards I play in this format, I want it to be a three block if possible. Yeah, there's really not many yellow two blocks that I'm happy with. I don't know if there's, they're, they're like, there might be one or two. Uh, like, I guess like the yellow windups, like the yellow agile windups in particular. Yeah, that's a good card. But like, by and large, you don't really want yellow two blocks. Yeah, like all the wages, you don't want them to be yellow if possible. They're they're like kind of playable. They're fine. I guess I think rally the rear guard yellow is okay. I'm okay with it because it's like not really a two block. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of like a two point five block. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's what I'm thinking. Is like when I have like a little bit more two blocks, I'm like yellow rally get in there upgrade some of my two blocks into two and a halfs please yeah i think uh, that's like a pretty good piece of advice avoid the yellow two blocks <laughs> <laughs> okay okay my favorite section of of these episodes overrated cards can i go first yeah 
Okay, so I think my number one overrated card in the set, I think, is Wild Ride. This card is... So many people take this card so highly. In turn, makes it that when I draft Brute, I don't have any of it in my deck, which is perfect for me, because I think... I know Yuki doesn't agree with me, but I think this card is just, like, close to unplayable. I guess if you have, like, a deck of only six powers, I can see myself wanting this card and, like, a lot of it. But man, the number of times I've whiffed on wild rides does not justify me playing this card. It's like, I know it's like, I don't really think about the times I'm hit with the wild ride because I'm just like, that's just like what I'm defaulting to is like, I'm going to hit on this card. But then whenever I miss on wild ride, it feels so bad. And your turn becomes like, when you're KO and you miss on a wild ride, you just played a two card six and did nothing else. And you may have even stranded cards in your hand, which is like not good in this game. Mostly because, like, when you are trying to convert a wild ride turn, it's typically a multi card turn. Because that's when wild ride is the most powerful, is when you play three cards with the wild ride. But to do that, you have to keep a card in your arsenal or a card in your hand. And then when you miss on the wild ride, draw this card, you end up, like, stranding cards in your hand and drawing three cards. And that's, like, almost like a minus three to this card, which is, like, that's, like, super bad. Like, I, I don't know how to explain it better than that, but, like, this card yeah with the combination of this card blocking for zero and the the low low of like when you play at a miss when you need it to hit that just loses you the game on the spot and i don't like that fact yeah you you said that i disagree with you and i only kind of disagree with you i I share a lot of those feelings about wild ride i don't like this card i don't really want it in my deck every time i draft it i'm frustrated with it and i think where i'm at is like very much where you're at with it i just the the variance of this card is so brutal and it can be completely game losing it also can force you into really awkward lines because of the no block and a lot of times it's just like it's fine on rate but it's not incredible like it's it's just okay like it's like like it's not like bear fangs like bear fangs i think really good like this this is just like a two card nine if you make the might token and if you know like that that, that that's incredible i think bear fangs is very very good but the wild ride is just sort of like you, you need a lot to go right for it to be good do you know the difference between bear fangs and wild ride that i like about bear fang like bear fang i'm like actively liking in my deck right now because mm-hmm. keeping a bear fang and like a blue in my hand or a yellow in my hand you don't do that with wild ride right like you keep an extra yeah. card with the wild ride so bear fang i go like pitch a yellow play bear fang as my last card i have like nothing else to do and then it's like you know flip the top card on my deck i don't care if it's a six or or not a six and if it is a six it gets plus three and it's just like or sorry plus two plus the might token yeah i just think that the the floor is way higher right like a like a two card six is not exciting but it's fine and you don't burn a bunch of cards in your hand so it's like the card's just way less punishing and it's hard for this card to be bad like it's still a no block but just like the 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 ceiling of a two card nine and the floor of a two card six is like a lot more appealing than wild ride where you just like ip yourself and it really hurts (laughs) (laughs) yeah Sorry, you were about to say something about Wild Ride as well? Yeah, I'll say, I'll give the caveat that, like, I don't know that I quite agree as much as I don't want it in my deck. I don't know that I can really say the card's unplayable like Jay does, because A, like, I believe that there's been, like, some decks, like, even in, like, calling coverage. I I still need to go through some of the calling coverage. It's been too crazy for me to watch it all. But um, I believe that even, like, in the calling coverage at, like, very high levels, there's been brute decks that are playing wild rides and to good effect. And it's because what this card can do is really powerful so like if if you have everything line up and your draw discard treats you nicely and you get to go like wild ride claw bear fangs or wild ride claw any two cost attack that is super good and that is super powerful um you can do huge damage without having an agility token it's just like yeah and and i've been on the receiving end of this like i've died to this like multiple times at armories so like you know like someone just like 18s me and i'm like yeah i guess i lose um so i get why people like it i think that it can be powerful i think that we'll, we'll kind of talk about it in the archetypes i think you can build a wild ride deck and there may be times where you may be incentivized to do that a little bit but i'm with jay that like 
if I can help it, I really don't want this card in my deck, and I much prefer this more stable three-block heavy brute that is not playing wild rides. Okay. There's another card that you, or another types of cards, I guess, that you don't like. Uh, which are those? I, I hate Clash. Um, I think everyone knows that I hate Clash. I, I always complain about it, but the, the Clash, the things that give agilities when you Clash are particularly brutal. You can just be kind of like priced into blocking with these, and especially if you're like on the back foot or like in an end game, and you give your opponent an agility token, it's just like totally game losing. So I actually don't really like Clash of Agility and Test of Agility. I get so frustrated with these cards, and I get frustrated with the variants of it. I think there's an argument to be made if you have a KO deck that is like almost all six pluses that the expected value on this card is good and so therefore it's a good card and and i can understand all of those arguments like intellectually i can't tell you how many times i've had a ko deck that has like five whiffs and then i like just like lose multiple clashes to the warrior it just feels so awful and i just hate losing in that way and i just kind of can't like i can't bring myself to play these cards or stomach that variant. So I just kind of like ship them and somebody else picks them. I've noticed that the unfortunate part is that because I complain about it so much, a lot of people in our locals have started also passing these cards and then I'm getting them kind of late. And now I'm like, ah, do I have to play this card because I'm getting it like third last pick? Yeah, I've seen an 11th pick test of agility and I'm just like, yeah. do I pick this or do I pass it? And then, yeah. oh, it's like at that point, it's like this is still better than like a yellow two block in my opinion so i end up picking it yeah yeah it does not feel good though <laughs> and i know that some people are still like high like i've heard that some people are high on these cards and i like i i, I get it if you have if you have a deck that clashes really good like yeah the average value is really good it's just i think it's kind of how much variance you're willing to take on and i think you're getting the sense that jay and i are pretty big on consistency so um we stray we stray away from these cards i don't think they're bad cards but i think that they're not maybe they have more risks than people think um especially the agility ones i'm pretty okay with like all the other tests and clashes but the agility ones are like no thanks yeah yeah it's it's way more devastating to give your opponent an agility token sometimes like you block with a clash agility and they win the clash and they're just like oh my hand was gonna be awful but thanks i can now go like claw into a six cost and then you're just like oh it converted their like awful two blocks into into like a reasonable attack and it like it adds up for sure it definitely adds up for sure yeah but that being said like i've played against a brute deck that was playing like two tests of agility and a clash of agility you know i lost all three clashes and the game was not close yeah. it was just like they block with one card and that one card is a clash of agility and oh they prevent three they make an agility token and they convert their hand and they just kept on doing that over and over again and i was like this is a this is a good example of why these cards are super powerful if they go well mm -hmm. but and like that game is unwinnable for me right because like the agility is so free for them yeah the, the the clash mechanic can be a little frustrating i'm actually kind of okay with the mites because like with the mites the the delta is like one so if you're blocking with like a three block and you give them a mite, it's kind of like you blocked with a two block, which is like not great, but it's not game losing. And if you get the mite, it's like you get like four value out of that card, which is really good. So like, I'm usually pretty happy to play the like test of mites and, and uh, the, sorry, the clash of mites. And then same idea with the test of mites. It's like, it's either a three block or like a five point card or, or a four. And like all of those are fine. So I'm okay with that. But it's just like the test of agility is when you improve your opponent's hand by like, three points or something it's just like so bad <laughs> so bad um okay so i think we've talked enough about wild ride and clashes thank you to our listeners for putting up to our to our rants about these cards <laughs> um if you're still here we're going to talk about the uh the different brutes and kind of how to draft them and why you might want to so we kind of mentioned that ko is like kind of the default he has some we can start with ko he he has some like signposts, like the biggest one is Numskull. Um, Numskull, really good. We talked about this card. Temper three is crazy. You can roll it if you're really behind, but really this card is like Numskull. Almost, Knucklehead. Sorry, ugh, I always call this called. I always car call this card Numskull, but yes, Knucklehead. Um, <laughs> Where did Numskull come from? Well, there's another brute card called Numskull, but it's not in this set. It's a majestic. It's like a two for six. I think it doesn't block and its power can't be modified. Or maybe it's a three for six. I forget. Oh, it says while this card is in any zone, its cost, its resource cost to play power and block power can't be modified from yeah. 
DTD? What's DTD? Dust told on. Oh, what? This card's in dust told on? Oh, because it was yeah. like, hmm, okay, I've never seen this card before. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't see a whole lot of play. Anyways, I always mix up those two card names. Like, I do it constantly. Yes, Knucklehead. Knucklehead, real good. If you have, like, I guess, like, technically, you want to have some amount of, like, discard or draw discard, because if you don't, you don't really get the might tokens. And having, like, more virtual sixes in your deck also doesn't matter if you don't have discard effects. That being said, like, there's just, like, so many in Brute that are good cards anyways that you're going to have some, I feel like. But theoretically, if you had a deck that, like, had almost no draw discard, you should probably just be Reiner because then you can, like, Agility Claw Claw and that's, like, some upside. But but most of the time, KO is going to be the way to go. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's just so many cards that says draw discard on it. Yeah, or or like beat chest as a mechanic, like the wind ups. Like there, there's just like so many ways for this to be relevant that it's real hard to like to take it in perspective. Six of the nineteen commons is the draw discard, which is a third of your pool. So you're almost yeah. always gonna end up with a wild ride or a bear fangs. Even like even though I'm trying to avoid wild ride, I'm gonna end up with a wild ride in my pool. So like you almost always have this. And sometimes I get in these spots where because I'm avoiding these cards, I actually like end up in a thing with like I have a bunch of three blocks and no draw discard, and I get to be Reinhardt, and I'm kind of happy. So yeah, uh, we'll we'll talk about like the different flavors of brood, and I think this can apply to Ko as well as Reiner. But I, I think I think Ko can be like anywhere from hyper aggressive. Um, like playing a bunch of the no blocks, a bunch of the agilities, and you just hit your opponent super, super hard to pretty defensive and able to play like a guardian fatigue style deck with lots of three blocks. And then you have some agilities to convert your big hands if your opponent goes on the back foot or just like in general, like raise the value of your hand. And and both of those are super good. And you can play either, you can play either style for KO. Reinar though, what are your thoughts about Reinar? I think the best way to put together Reinar is with like a lot of three blocks so you can mm-hmm. like convert your hand very well um in that sense the best i think the upside of Reinar is the is the is that you get the second hand you know like so you get mm-hmm. to go claw claw the shield really isn't worth it like just because you have like a shield like a bloody oval doesn't make me want to be Reinar at all no. but I think the more ways you can enable Claw Claw would be the reason why you want to be Reiner, I think. Like, I don't know how to explain it better, but like being able to discard Agile Wind Up and then go Claw Claw into a six power is a kind of insane, right? Like you get the Intimidate, you get six, uh, you get six power, you get like 12 damage in for three cards and the agility token uh so it'll be like a four card 12 with an agility token which is and 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 the intimidate yeah and and i think intimidate's pretty strong in this set because a lot of decks especially when they don't have agility tokens can't convert their hands so they need to do some blocking but you want to block with the three blocks and if you like intimidate their yellow three block and they're like left with their like red two block it's like it's just like sometimes very awkward um, so I think Intimidate is actually like decent. If you can like chain Intimidates, that's that's really strong. So in, on the turn I just explained, you know, discard Agile, wind up into blue, blue, claw, claw, two cost. If the two cost is a pack hunt, like you can actually do a lot of damage to your opponent. For whatever reason, if you Intimidate a block card, you kind of win the game. Like it's, you basically IP'd them. It's, it's super strong. They really can't pitch a red block card efficiently in this format. You know, what are they going to do? They can't arsenal it. So they just have to keep it in their hand most of the time. So, which also means if you intimidate again, you have a chance of hitting it again. Yeah, I, I, I agree with all of that. And I think that um, the other kind of effect that you get as Reinar because of the intimidate is that you can potentially kind of like have a bigger lethal range. Like if they're at like five or six and you have like a big intimidate turn, you can just kill them kind of in the way that like Betsy can just kill you from five or six sometimes with like a 12 overpower. And you're just like, well, I guess I'm dead. Um, kind of the same thing with Reiner. So I think Betsy and Reiner both like have that. They're they're kind of like they're they're decks that can have more reach and can kind of like get evasive damage in to close the game a little bit early. And then Victor and Ko are sort of like the higher value counterparts. So their like turn to turn value is better because 
KO gets the might tokens, Victor gets the extra cards with the gold. But that's sort of like the trade-off that these that these heroes have is like the the evasive damage in the reach versus the um, higher higher value. I think the easiest way to get into Reinar would be if you get past Show No Mercy. I'll be pretty specific here. Uh, as I said, you want to get past Show No Mercy. Um, I'm not looking to first pick pack, like, I'm not trying to pack one, pick one, show no mercy and go into Reinar. I want to be in brute with like a solid brute pool. And then I want to get past show no mercy, pick show no mercy, and then be like, okay, I'm going to try and maximize Reinar at this point. And that might be one of the only cards in this set that like make me really want to like, you know, think about not forcing Reinar, but like really sculpting my deck into Reinhar. I think Monstrous Veil isn't good enough to do that for me. I think most of the time it's just like so much easier for me to like still go KO and like pass the Monstrous Veil and like make somebody else try and build a Reinhar deck that's like it's just just so much harder to put it together because like even though we're saying like these powerful turns exist because a lot of the blues aren't six powers, it's just like... All, all of them. All of them are not six powers. So it's like, I don't really want to think about that portion of of the deck while trying to draft it. It's like, it's just too much work. It's too much work. It's like, you can't actually put it all together that well. So I think yeah. Show No Mercy is the one card. It's like a, it's a two card nine. It's just guaranteed. It's almost a guaranteed two card nine. If you can, if you have an agility and like another way to intimidate it, it's, it's, it's so Show No Mercy is so disgusting. So I think that card is, that card is definitely well worth it. I agree with all of that. I think that Reinar, I think that Reinar is the hardest deck to come together. I think it's maybe also like one of the harder ones to draft I don't know. We we have some ideas about Reiner, but I personally I don't like I feel like this is maybe the hero I understand the least and it is maybe one I'm going to do a little bit of like I might try and draft Reiner a little bit and just see where that goes or like try and build a deck like a, out of the commons and rares and just see what that looks like so I have a little bit better understanding of him. But um but yeah, I still all of that being true or like all of that being like like yeah there's there's room to explore maybe there's like a better reiner deck than we're saying um i still think you wind up ko a lot of the time one of the other cards that i think is an important part of the good reiner decks is traden um specifically the red one the yellows and the blues are kind of mopey again you don't want yellow two blocks but the nice thing about trade-in is that you can arsenal it, you get the three go again, so it's a head jab, which is actually on rate. You can turn on your claws for zero cost. So you can like trade-in, claw, claw, two cost, and that is a really powerful turn. Also, the other thing about trade-in is you get to, I believe you get to choose the discard, don't you? Yes, it is. You dis- You discard a card of your choice and you draw a card. Yeah. Or you may discard a card, which is really, really good, actually. Yeah, yeah. It being optional is really important. And um, you getting to choose is huge, especially because like that's kind of the problem with Monstrous Veil, right? Is that you want to turn on your claws, so then you draw a discard. Your claw claw two cost wants to have two blues in hand for it. But those blues aren't sixes, and they don't turn on your claws, and they don't intimidate. So there's like a lot of tension there, and I, I don't know how to resolve that tension personally. Like I haven't really figured it out. But trade-in, because it's kind of deterministic, you can just discard any six. And as long as you have blue, blue, two costs, like you're set. You know that you're good. And then you you don't know what card you draw, but like you can probably arsenal it or something. Um, So I think think trade-in is like almost certainly an important part of the Reiner deck. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think think if you want to put together a very powerful Reiner deck, I think you would have like two to three red trade-ins in that deck. Yeah. What do you think about beat chest as a mechanic? It's sort of like, this is like sort of Reinar's mechanic in a way. Like, I feel like it's framed that way. Does having a lot of beat chest make you want to play Reinar? No, no, not yeah, at all. I, I also don't really feel like it does. It's like beat chest is like so underrated. Most of the time I've like never beat chest other than assault and battery. I think at the very beginning of the format, I was like trying to beat chest Bonebreaker Bellow and trying to play two of them. And then I quickly realized like, it's so inefficient to try and play two Bonebreaker Bellow into another attack. It's like, I gave up on it. Um, you yeah. just take too much damage or, like, your opponent forces you to block so often that, like, trying to set up double Bonebreaker Bellow isn't realistic. I guess if you can somehow set up, like, an Assault and Battery 
Bonebreaker Bellow double, like, you know, like, the to play two beat chess cards or something like that. It's, it's so hard. It's, like, that's, like, a dream scenario more often than, like, something you can actually set up. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I haven't been in love. Like, there, there's some beat chess cards that are fine. They, like, block three. They're kind of playable, but, like... I'm not really wanting to like draft a bunch of beat chess cards and then have a that's my Reinar deck. It's sort of funny too because like I think like one of my favorite of the beat chess cards, um, like outside of like Assault and Battery, which we talked about in the sevens, is like there's like the Rawhide, there's like Rawhide Rumble, which is like a two for six that blocks for three and you can beat chest and if you do intimidate. And like I like this card because it's a two for six that blocks three, but this card is just like worse than Pack Hunt <laughs> 90% of the time. Like I, I guess in like Reiner, you can like double intimidate with this card and like that's kind of cool, but like often like you like you don't really want to trade your card for it like pack hunt just intimidates you know what i mean and pack hunt's a common so like yeah it's kind of weird like rawhide rumble is a rare two cost six power three block and then it says when it attacks if you beat chest intimidate and then pack hunt is just like it says exactly the same stats and just says when it attacks intimidates no cost there's some kind of disconnect here right like I yeah. think Rawhide Rumble may have been a seven power early in testing and then got pumped down. That is my guess, actually. Yeah, I'm I'm not really sure. Like I, I have questions about this card too, but but anyways, like I think often you can play these cards just for their vanilla stats. Like I, I still like Rawhide Rumble. Yeah, blocks for three. Wow. Yeah, blocks for three. Two cost, <laughs> six power. Fantastic. Do I like it because of the beat chess mechanic? Does that make me want to play Reiner? No, I don't really think so. You know, you know the problem with Rawhide Rumble? The problem with Rawhide Rumble is that it blocks for three. And what I mean by that is because now, now the KOs want Rawhide Rumble because it blocks for three. So yeah. you can't actually put together a Reiner deck that's like getting past Rawhide Rumbles because the KOs are still taking it. Yeah, that is sort of that does kind of feel like the problem is like if there is like a super synergistic Reiner deck that does exist it's like very hard to come together because those cards are just popular and like i guess like maybe you can like bonebreaker bellow rawhide rumble there's like a four card 11 with double intimidate it's like if it if it wins the game because you double intimidate them that's pretty sweet but like otherwise a four card 11 is like eh it's fine it's okay yeah it's well if great. you do it too too often you're gonna lose the game because it's a four card 11 <laughs> <laughs> exactly so so i don't know that's sort of like the tension with reinar i i i don't know there, there could be something that we're missing i'm gonna try and investigate this in the coming weeks at the moment you should be kale most of the time there's some incentives to be reinar i th- think we've kind of talked about those enough though i guess let's uh finish up the episode by talking about like what types of brute deck that exist um i think we were pretty like I think we hinted at it a lot during the episode. I think the main strategy that I go for is the high three block count brute deck that ends up trying to fatigue your opponent near the end of the game more than like trying to play multiple wild rides in a turn. So I think those are the two different decks that exist uh, for brute, which is like you're looking to block out your opponent and then play and find efficient agility turns and then hit them for 12 or like 15 on those turns. And the other side will be like the Wild Ride Bear Fang deck where you're trying to like present 20 or 22 to your opponent on one of those turns. Basically, if you present 20 damage in one turn, you know, the average block value of like people's hand in this format is like 9 or 10. So you they leak 10 twice, they lose the game. Yeah, no, I fully agree. And um, I think that they're both valid. They both have some merit. I agree, though. I just like the stability of the three-block kind of fatigue-by-damage style deck. I suppose you can put kind of like, maybe like there's like a Reinar Intimidate version of that that doesn't necessarily fatigue-by-damage, but kind of wears down your opponent and then intimidates them and kills them. But I think the deck is largely the same in that you're like not playing a bunch of Wild Rides and Bear Fangs because it's not consistent in Reinar. You're playing lots of three-blocks, and the difference is just in how you end up closing out the game. I think the Wadroid Bear Fang strategy is like better if you think it's gonna be hard to like outplay your opponent. And I think I would recommend the Wadroid Bear Fang strategy if you are like newer to draft. If you think there are like really good players in your pool, you just like draft like four red wild rides and like a bear, like two bear fangs and you just send it at your opponent and you know, 
like good players doesn't it doesn't matter how good you are if you just get 25 you your opponent can't do anything so it's I kind of, I, I would kind of recommend it if it's like your first time drafting heavy hitters that you just try like, you know, drafting wild rides and bear fangs really highly and see where that, see where that ends ends you up. It it will be kind of like a an easy way to steal wins from people that are like playing turns too efficiently. I agree, and like definitely try it out. Um, just because Jay and I don't like it again, like. I've seen people post 3-0 decklists. I've seen people play at like high level draft events and do well with KO decks that do this because it it is it is powerful. When 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 it lines up, it's powerful. And Jay and I lean away from that variance, but you know, everybody has a different kind of like risk tolerance that they're willing to take on. And um, I don't think it's like you can't draft this wild ride deck where it's trash. It's just inconsistent and uh, that inconsistency makes Jay and I prefer the other style. Yeah, I think it's I think it's mostly because it feels like we can win if we don't do this. Like we can like consistently mm-hmm. win without it. So then when it when we lose because of like the misdraw, it's it feels even worse. Yeah, yeah, I tend to agree. I feel like I don't necessarily need the power, so I tend to stray away from it. Yeah, it's but then like... sometimes people just draft this deck and they just hit, and then you lose to it. So I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, like last week I was playing like my in during the RT and my second draft was like not great and I ended up on like one of the four uh brutes on the pod and the two games I lost I was like play bear fangs I missed on my draw discard look at the end of the game I lose by two life I wonder where this two damage comes from <laughs> yeah uh that's just like if i hit a six on the bear fangs i win the game right like it's it's two power plus the might that's more than enough to to swing three damp to swing two life uh and then you know there was a brute mirror where my opponent hit two times on their bear fangs and i'm just like uh i really wish i could use that six extra life (laughs) yeah 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 the format definitely has variants Look, I'm not saying variance is bad, right? Because, like, yeah, TCGs is, I think, a little bit of variance is good. The only problem, I think, would be, like, I feel like I got drawn into Flesh and Blood because of its low variance. And then this set's adding variance in, which, like, might be able to attract more people into the game. I think which is a good thing. Uh, but then it's, like, kind of a negative for for me because I got into the game because of its low variance. <laughs> I feel kind of the same way. The thing I love most about Fab is the low variance, and there's some interesting stuff. Overall, I don't super love it, especially in draft. In constructed, you can really like control for a lot of these things and choose to like build your deck in a certain way and like potentially sideboard some of these things out. So like, I feel like they play pretty okay in constructed, but in, in limited, I'm think where I'm at currently is I'm like not so much of a fan that being said heavy hitters is as far as i can tell incredibly popular both for constructed as well as limited and i think that it is like this set is like almost certainly a good thing for the game and i see so many people like just saying how this is like their favorite limited set ever and and i think it is a pretty good limited set even even despite the variance is kind of where i'm at with it that's fair that's fair um Anything else you want to say before we close out the episode? No, I think that's going to wrap us up. Thanks for listening. Good luck at your RTNs. If you have thoughts about Reiner, we'd actually really like to hear about it. You can um, let us know in the comments. Post your Reiner decks in the on the Bobble Discord if you're subscribed to Patreon. We would love to know a little bit more about your Reiner decks because, again, possible we're missing something. Yeah, just... Thanks for listening. You can reach out onto us on social media. Jay is at Ueda J. I'm at Ukili Bender on Twitter. Uh, you can email us directly at onthebobble at gmail.com. And uh, you can find us on patreon.com slash onthebobble. Thanks for listening. Have a good night. Uh, sign off? I guess super quick. If you were to play the RTN this weekend, what hero are you going to play? uh good question like probably just ko because it's the deck that i practice the most and i still think the deck's pretty good into like basically everything um not to say that it's like favorite into everything or i think it's like 
BDIF necessarily. I just think like you have game into everything, which is like pretty appealing. Um, as like somewhat considering like Kano or Azalea, but I haven't really been practicing those and I don't necessarily know their matchup spreads and I don't even necessarily know what our local meta is. So I don't, I don't know how I'm feeling about Kano or Azalea. Probably not going to bring either of those, but, but I think, um, you know, one of those three decks is pretty good right now. I think Mm, there's a lot of good choices right now, honestly. Yeah. I, I'm kind of like on the fence about playing the RTN, but if I do play the RTN, I might be. I might want to experiment with like some new ideas with uh, Dash, uh, the OG Dash, like the uh, mm-hmm. Extraordinaire Inventor. I think it's called mm-hmm. Inventor Extraordinaire. Yeah, Inventor Ex- Extraordinaire. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm really wanting to play one copy of Mini Force Field. That's that's the card that I'm really, uh, really wanting to try right now. I could see it. It makes sense. It's like sort s- of like a pseudo life game card. You can you can spark a genius into it. It's true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's about it. That's all I wanted. What to about ask. dissolving shield? What if you play dissolving shield? You can spark a genius into it for zero. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. One copy of dissolving shield. That, that's. Wow. Hmm. I didn't think about that. <laughs> I give Jane new tech. <laughs> I, I lost to a Reinar. Um, yesterday at the uh at the cc armory because um i couldn't play around the second reckless swing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh ended up playing around the first reckless swing by oasis respiting it second but reckless no good the second one i couldn't i was at two life and i didn't have enough ways to like gain life anymore so i was just like how do i ever play around this card and the answer is you just can't. So, I well, I tried. I tried to command and conquer, but like it wasn't in the exact hand that I thought it would be in. It was in the hand right after it, and and I lost the game. But even then, he can just arsenal. So I don't know. It was just it was it was lost game. It's, uh, I had to I had to basically not attack him on one of the turns, and keep his life total high enough. So then when I played the waste of spite, I go up to three life instead of two. Uh, or stay at two, so yeah. <laughs> I see. <laughs> yeah, like like super fatigue style deck problems, you know, like uh, I put too much pressure on my opponent. I'm so bad. <laughs> this reminds me of the super life gain Oldham decks, where just like there was like a realization at some point by some players. I'm not gonna name them, where um, like often in the Lexi matchup, you just didn't want to attack unless you're there like ahead on life like 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 you block everything because you're fatiguing them but you have extra card and you can swing your titan's fist and you just don't swing the titan's fist because then you turn off the life gain from your oasis respite and your heart of findal and you could have just had like two more life yeah and you know what attacking <laughs> like honestly do you know what attacking does in this game it lets them cycle through their deck faster and block with cards they don't want to to have in their hand so like you make their turn cycle so much more efficient yeah i think most of the time you do want to attack but there are maybe there are some like there definitely are corner cases especially for the most defensive like life gain style decks to um yeah which is what i always that. play yeah yeah so like it's true. all it's always in my mind i'm just like oh I can like attack for fifteen with my guns. I guess I don't because I don't want to pressure my opponent. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, like uh, on the turn that I like pressured um, the Rhino opponent, like I attacked for like thir- a twelve. Yeah, twelve with my guns, and like if I just didn't attack for twelve, I would have won the game. It's just like, oh, should have attacked for eight. No, I should have attacked for four and oh, then okay. reloaded my weapon. So then, like, oh. it's still like hit them by fatigue damage because like if they just don't block the four then like i go pass and i keep them at like four life instead of like going putting like them choosing to go to one you know so right right hmm misplay 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 yeah honestly fatigue i love fatigue in this game there's so much to think about Look, I like thinking about unconventional stuff, you know, like... It's true. 
It's and then and then like being able to, and then I love when like my opponents end up like adjusting as well and like doing really weird stuff. Like, you know, the thing that I hate the most is I'm playing these like fatigue style dash decks and then my opponent stops attacking me. What am I supposed to do? Shoot them. No, 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 you don't shoot them. Like, when I convert my hands, it's just like, I can do, like, a four-card four. (laughs) Like, they can just no-block me, and, like, I lose. Like, it's like... It's it's weird, like, yeah. Like, if they... If, if, like, the Guardian players decide to stop attacking me and, like, just pitch-stack their, like perfect uh bravo hands like three times in a row and like take like 36 damage just by like not doing anything what am i supposed to do like lose like i guess i could play attacks on my deck you could you know there you know there was a defensive dash deck that made semifinals and worlds right yeah yeah you, you, you could just play that deck, but anyways, um, there's Kasai now. I don't I don't want to play attacks anymore. Uh, I guess. <laughs> okay, I think that's enough for the sign off. Yeah. Okay. Good night, everyone.